Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerome Jerry. Did we say your last name these days, Jerry? No, nah, we've never said it. Okay. Jeez, I keep it that way. Yeah. Jerome Jerry Blank. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Blank. That's a real person, right? No, she was on uh, Strangers with Candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, man, I know that name. Yeah, that name sounds That really was the character, name. right? Yeah. Yeah. She really cleaned herself up and went on to become a spokesperson for Downey. Amy Sedaris? No, Jerry Blank. Oh, yeah. They're one and the same. Yeah, I love Amy Sedaris. I like she's, the Sedarises. Yeah. Some people don't. Aren't they fighting? Oh, Amy and David? Like a lot of David and everybody else. I think he wrote like some New Yorker article about his dead sister. Their sister, who I think I can't remember what happened, but uh-huh. she, he wrote like a memoir about her. And I think the New Yorker they got mad, and his, the rest of his family like called him out on like the inconsistencies and errors and uh-huh. in, in facts. And maybe they were tired of it because all he's done is write about his family. Yeah, I guess they're like, "That's it, David. Yeah, no more. We're done. <laughs> Cut us in, or we're gonna cause big trouble for you." <laughs> I, I was about to do my David Sedaris impression. I thought about it for then a second. Then I realized, like, I don't do a David Sedaris impression. So. Uh, I could, but, yeah, not going to go there. So limos. Yeah. At least some of the Sedarises ride around in limousines. I bet they have. Uh, and I can guarantee they have. Because, Chuck, it turns out the definition of a limousine is way broader than yeah. you would think. Yeah, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean some super stretch. No, but it can. Sure. Basically, a limousine, technically, is any car with a roomier back seat than the average car. Yeah. And if you throw in a driver, you you there's nobody who's going to say that's not a limo. Yeah. You can be like, yes, it is. Yeah. And be right. Yeah. Like technically, if you want to get a hire a town car to take you to the airport, mm-hmm. technically that's a limousine. Yeah. You know the car services in New York. Sure. Those are limos. That's right. They have them here in Atlanta, too. <laughs> Do they have car service here in Atlanta? Yeah, are you kidding me? I, all I see are just the worst. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a special tag. Yeah. Did you know that Atlanta taxi drivers are the worst taxi drivers on the planet? Um, have you noticed? From experience, the, it's pretty bad, but I just Uber it now. That's different. Yeah. That's different than the taxis. Oh, no. That's what I'm saying. That's why I Uber it, because they're different than Man, the taxis. So bad. Yeah. Seriously, anybody who comes to Atlanta, if you make it out of Hartsfield, look around at the taxis and how they drive. Your mind will be scrambled. Yeah. It's crazy. I think cabbies are kind of like that everywhere, though. No, no. Like, very frequently, they are the best drivers in the entire city. They know where they're going. They don't just meander. They don't, like, drift into lanes. They don't drive super slow. I've had the opposite experience. Most most cabs that I've been in, the, the driver was pretty great. Usually when I'm in a cab in New York City, I wonder, is this the ride where we hit somebody or some other car? Yes, but you don't, and they're going really fast. Yeah. In Atlanta, they drive 10 miles an hour and hit everything. They just <laughs> sideswipe everything. Slow and lousy. Come to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're talking limousines, man. Let's get back on track. Yeah, I should say, too, I hate limousines. Like, I'll, I, I love a good town car ride to or from an airport. Yeah. But as far as a, a stretch limousine, I, I just hate that whole thing. Just a little 
kind of, hey, look at me. Oh, it's just dumb. It's longer and it's got a bar. It's just, I don't know. I think the whole thing is stupid and like just part of that whole narcissistic culture that I despise. I gotcha. You know, I've got money, so I want it to be in a longer car with a TV in it. Well, <laughs> for a very long time, if you wanted a TV in your car or a phone, yeah. your car better be double the size of the normal version of it. All right, I just had to get on my soapbox. Like if it's for prom and you're all going in, like I get like a fun thing like that, but or a fur bus, <laughs> rent the fur bus for your niece's birthday, mm-hmm. like we did. That was fun. What? You never done that? No, I thought you were saying we rented it for my niece's birthday. No, my niece's birthday. You weren't a part of it. This oh. is my family. Yeah, I wasn't invited. <laughs> Scott invited me. This is before I knew you, my friend. Um. Anyway, I can see the fun of it occasionally, but just as a means of transportation, I think it's pretty obnoxious. I got you. Especially those huge, huge, like, Hummer stretches. <laughs> I just want it, like, to dematerialize those with my eyes. I but wish I could shoot a, a laser amazing. beam and de- and expose the people within. Just all of a sudden, they're on the street yeah. with their bourbon and Coke. Going, what happened to my super-stretched summer? I wonder how you'd have to do that. So, like, your, <laughs> your laser beam eyes would have to just, just get, the people. like, fiberglass, like, destroy yeah. fiberglass and steel yeah. and upholstery. And rubber. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So, uh... I think as we've stated, a limousine doesn't necessarily have to be what you hate. Yes. It can also be just a, a car that's driven by somebody where you got a roomy backseat yes. for the passenger. Nice big truck. But even before that, even if you want to say, wow, that's a broad definition of limousine, man, let's go even further back and include clothing <laughs> as a limousine in the definition of limousines. That's right. Because I learned, as I imagine you did, the word limousine comes from a town in France called Limousine. <laughs> or like, Limousine. <laughs> we'd like to introduce our new Principal Skinner, Principal Seymour Skinner. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> that is one of the all-time greats. Um, yes, it was Limousine without the E on the end. And like you said, the original Limousine wasn't a car. It was... A uh, kind of like a little hooded raincoat that protected you. Yeah, like Little Red Riding Hood wore a limousine. Yeah. It was, yeah, a hooded cloak. And it was invented in limousine France, and it became synonymous with limousine France because they called it a limousine. That's right. Uh, so as people started um, building coaches mm-hmm. that protected the uh, the rider, the passenger, from the elements... Uh-huh. They're like, wow, this is kind of like a hooded cloak in a really weird way. Yeah, a little bit of a stretch. Let's start calling these limousines. Yeah, even if it was a, a horse and mm. carriage, um, the idea that you were not driving this carriage and you had a nice little comfy seat mm-hmm. that's covered in the back, uh, they called it a limousine. And very frequently, probably all the time is a better way to put it, um, the driver himself wasn't covered. Like there was no. just the passengers that were covered. No, you'll get rained on and like it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you complain, we'll put you on the rack. That's right. Uh, and this continued until the they started building regular, as I think Jonathan Strickland wrote this, what he calls horseless carriages, very cheekily, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the automobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they called those limousines. And they started, like very early on in New York City, they started, someone started a limousine service. I think in the 20s. Yeah, 1920s is not too bad. Um, and these cars, uh, the first, early, the earliest limousines 
were basically built from the ground up. Like yeah. you, you built a car with the intention of building a, like a stretch longer car, a limousine as we understand it today. That's right. Um, and it might not be like a stretch sedan. Yeah. Some of the early limousines, um, looked a lot like station wagons or like a old yeah. Model T station wagon. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, but very quickly, these companies figured out that it would be vastly easier to take an already manufactured car and stretch it, basically do a conversion. Yeah. And that became the tradition for a very long time, I think starting in the 20s. Yeah, and uh, luxury cars, obviously, from the beginning were the prime targets because this is what rich people were used to having their fannies sit upon Mm -hmm. while they were being driven around. So uh, Mercedes-Benz and Cadillacs and Fleetwoods and LeBarons uh, were all prime candidates uh, even the famed Bentley had a limousine, the Arnage that they made only 20 of. Did you look at that? It's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I got to admit. Yeah. For a non-limousine guy. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. That's a very nice car. Uh, you ever ridden in a Bentley for any reason? No. I haven't either. Now you can get a Chrysler that looks like a Bentley. Was that the 300? I don't know. I call. I think it is the 300. I call them Fentleys. For some reason, um, John Varvatos had a 300 edition, limited edition. He's a clothing designer. Oh, yeah? And in the ad for his edition of the Chrysler 300, he, it's him and Iggy Pop, just randomly. <laughs> Iggy Pop is in the ad with him. I guess they were getting wasted together that day that he had to film. Did he have a shirt off, Iggy? Pro- probably. I can't remember. Yeah. He don't seem with a shirt that much. No. Uh, he's very proud of his wiry, uh, muscular body. And yeah, I don't blame yeah. him. All right, I think we've wasted enough time. So let's, uh, <laughs> right after this break, talk about that limo conversion. Cause to me, that's about the most interesting part of limousines. All right, we're back and we were talking about limo conversion. Like you said early on, they used to build a limo to be a limo. Yeah, like just some guy would build a car from the ground up, and he would build it extra long, and that's where the early limousines came from. Yeah, it was a, a company called Arm Brewster in 1928. Were they Arkansas? It was, uh, I think they're American. I don't, yeah, they are American. I don't remember if it's in Arkansas or not, but it was actually, I found in a write-up on the company from like 1987, it says 1923 is when they built their first oh, really? limousine, and that by at least 1926... They were doing conversions because there's a picture of an early stretch Buick that they made. And they realized that conversions was where it was at. Right. Let's take an existing car, cut it in half, and stick something in the middle of those two pieces. Right, because somebody else has gone to the trouble of building the engine, of designing like the dynamics, of figuring out how to put the tires where and all that stuff. Why do all that? Like, yeah, when you can just... Cut a car in half. Add more car. and Yeah, add more car, and then, <laughs> bam, you have a stretch limousine. I had no idea they did it this way. No, when I read it the first time, I was like, surely. Right. He, just made a, <laughs> he just made a horseless carriage joke. I know this uh-huh. must be a joke as well. No, that's how a lot of limousines are made. And it's funny you bring up the 300, Chrysler 300. You uh-huh. said the one that looks like a Bentley. Um, because I saw, uh, um, I guess, a test of one of them. That was like Chrysler builds these 300 stretch limousines. Oh, they do. Yeah. So if you see a Chrysler 300M limousine, it was built by Chrysler most likely. Which is very unique these days, right? Yes. 
Because for the most part, like you're saying, the industry standard is some company will get a hold of a Cadillac mm-hmm. or a Lincoln Town Car, yeah, cut it in half, like you say, and then add to it, and there's your stretch limousine. Yeah, uh, the process goes a little something like this. Uh, they strip, that sounded like I was going to sing it in a song. <laughs> and the one, and the two. They uh, strip all the interior out. They protect everything that's in there, obviously. Uh, Strickland says they use fire-resistant paper on everything. Yeah, which, okay. Sure, why not? I guess you don't want it to catch on fire while you're doing it. <laughs> right. um, you're going to mount it on a set of rails that can be adjusted to get your car off the ground Keep it all aligned properly, because when you're adding more car, you have to have it super aligned. And then they cut the thing in two pieces. Yeah, and not lengthwise. No, no, that'd be weird. <laughs> I guess you can make it a lot wider, but you, you're looking for length. And Maybe if, that's the new limousine. Right. Just like super, super wide. wide. Yeah. Um, apparently, the industry agrees that you typically can't go more than double the size, the original size of the car. Yeah. Um, other uh, after that, it's just probably not going to pass any safety tests, which we'll talk about in a minute. But once the car's cut in half, hopefully you remembered to put the the car on these rails that elevate it, yeah, yeah. and that some of the rails are attached to a dolly so you can separate the car to the length you want. If not, you have to basically throw it away and start <laughs> over. But so if you you pull one, usually the rear back from the front, yeah. And then you go and add um, rails, basically the extenders that that are going to lengthen the car. That's right. Uh, and like I said, your car is is temporarily braced to keep it from twisting or moving around because right. you want it like to be super exact, obviously. Because uh, if the front of your car is a half inch to the right from the rear of your car, <laughs> that's bad. You're in big trouble. Um, you then you're going to add what's called the floor plan or floor pan. Sorry. And it's basically the floor of the limo, which will later on become carpeted and upholstered and everything. But for the time being, it's just a piece of metal that is the floor of your new addition. Yeah, and that is after you have done all the other boring stuff like extending the drive line and oh, making yeah. sure you have – because, you know, your wiring's not long enough. Nothing is long enough. And you just have to – No, because you just cut it in half. Yeah. like There's a huge gap. You literally just have to extend all those parts. Right. Uh, you know, the brake line, all that boring stuff. You have to just extend all that stuff. Yeah. I got excited about the floor pan. And no, that's right. Ahead. You stick in your floor pan and then you – Well, hold on. I want to say something about the floor pan and the drive line. So okay. you've extended the powertrain. Yeah. Right? The thing that – that big thing that like powers <laughs> the back wheels. That no one knows what it is. Right. Yeah. But you've extended that thing. Yeah, you just hear like powertrain warranty and people are always like, what in the world's a powertrain? That's like the, the steering and the axles and the, the, the thing that, that spins around and spins your rear axle and all that. That's your powertrain. <laughs> okay. It's true. So you have to add to that because you've just cut through it again. Sure. And then you add the floor pan, uh, which is the floor of the limousine. Yeah. Um, and do you remember that limousine fire from, I think last year, a couple of years ago? Oh, they, they were stuck killed inside. the bride to be yeah, on the San Mateo Bridge. Awful. Um, apparently, they the California Highway Patrol investigated it and ruled it an accident, but it was because the floor pan of the limousine that yeah. had been added later was up against the drivetrain, and the friction no way. created enough heat and spark that apparently there was a crack in the floor pan, yeah. and that heat came up and caught the upholstery on fire, and that's where the fire came from. Wow. Was from this modification that had taken place years before. Well, which is one reason why uh, 
Cadillac doesn't want their name on that limo, let's say, because it has been modified by someone other than Cadillac. Right. But Cadillac's name is still on the limo. As far as the U.S. government is concerned, once you cut a car in half and extend it, you're the new manufacturer. Yeah, totally. Cadillac says, well, that's great. We've got a bunch of yahoos running around cutting our cars in half, making them longer. But if somebody sees it on the road or somebody sees a photo of it with the trunk burned out, yeah, our name's they still see on the it. Cadillac. So Cadillac and other companies like Ford have programs to basically certify, train, and go back and um, investigate uh, the people who are doing these conversions. Yeah, because we didn't mention, but when you make a car uh, substantially longer and heavier, you might have to modify the brakes some. You might have to modify how it turns. Uh, you might have to reinforce the suspension or the frame itself because you can't just make a car 12 feet longer and expect it to behave the same way. Right, exactly. Like it, the original stopping power was for the 12-foot car, not the 24-foot car. So you do have to do some modifications. Yeah, but those companies are super smart to have official programs, I think, because every car, even if it is uh, modified later, has to to be roadworthy, has to pass the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. That's right. Cadillac's program is called the Cadillac Master Coach Builder Program. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Ford has something called the Qualified Vehicle Modifier Program. And so basically they're saying hey, if you're going to be doing this and you can legally do this, we're going to make sure you do it right. That's right. Um, and guess what time it is? Time to get in our limo? Not yet. It's time for a message break. All right. So we mentioned that the limo, generally speaking, even though they've gotten ridiculous these days, uh, shouldn't be more than twice as long as it originally was. Yeah. Uh, and since you can't get that much longer, what you can do is if you want to impress uh, people and get their business, is trick it out on the interior as much as possible. Yes. With you name it, man, and they've got it. Yeah. Plasma TVs and hot tubs and bars and sound systems and, like, anything you can think of. It's it's a, It's littered with... Neon and tacky things, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Tacky's the the right word, I think. Yeah, not for me. Did you see? Um, if you go to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Branson, have they, you been there? No, I saw a picture. Oh, well, I was about to say. I'm not. I, I want to go to Branson someday before <laughs> I die. Yakov Smirnov has a, his own place I know. there. Yeah, I'm going. Sure, Yumi's going to take me. I. Surprised it hasn't happened already. <laughs> I'm kind of too. Yeah. <laughs> we've been going other places, but um, in Branson, there's a 30 foot 1982 pink Cadillac stretch limousine. Yep. That has a uh, heart shaped hot tub in the trunk area. That also has Josh's 40th birthday written all over <laughs> it. <laughs> yes, it does. It might be a maybe good time to go. Maybe 40th birthday present. Yeah. Would be the limo itself. Oh, like to own it? Yeah. Yeah. Just drive around Atlanta. That'd be awesome. Drive around anywhere. You could drive around Branson. It'd be fine. You've got like a hot tub in your car. <laughs> uh, I love how Strickland also points out, I don't know when this was written, most limos also have telephones installed <laughs> in case all 14 of your cell phones are broken. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made note of that as well. All right. There are some other considerations if you want to uh, drive a limo, because you can be a private person and drive a limo, just like hire yourself out. Or go work for some rich person. Oh, I thought you meant like 
the kind of person who keeps to himself or herself. No, no, no. I mean, you don't have to necessarily work for a limousine company. I got gotcha. you. You can just buy your limo and say, I'm, I'm Chuck the limo driver. Right. You know, or I want to work. As long for... as you have the proper hat. That's right. <laughs> you're fine. And call yourself Bitterman. Yeah. Um, licensing, it depends on what state you're in. Uh, it depends wildly. Some states you can, don't need any kind of special license. Some states just say, fill out this form. Sure. <laughs> Probably give us 50 bucks. Some say, bring your limo. And, uh, although, how would you do that if you're not licensed? I guess tow truck. Yeah. Uh, get your limo here and, and take this test in your limo to make sure you can drive that behemoth. Blindfolded. Blindfolded. It's part of the test. So it all depends on what state you live in. Um, safety standards are the same for any other <laughs> car, like we said. Yeah, and, and the car that you bought to convert already before you ever bought it went through the, the safety tests. Sure. But now that you've converted it, it has to go through safety tests again. Right. So they include things like crash tests. And if you're interested in that, there's cra- limo crash tests on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. Does it show rich people inside, like, <laughs> with their drinks flying around? Kind of. <laughs> Man. What? You, you, uh, you're, you're not down with the 1%, are you? Now I just uh, think a crash test dummy in an evening gown might look funny. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because one of the ones, um, I guess, is some, is it Australian fifth gear, maybe it seemed like? I don't know. Uh, it was pretty cheeky. They were clearly drunk in the on the show, but yeah. it was like, um, it was a limo crash test, and uh, they put their clothes, their evening gown and tux on crash test dummies. So, I mean, wow. Yeah, you have to look up fifth gear limo. Um, I guess limo crash test is what would bring it up. Huh. And yeah, they're clearly drunk because they spend the first like three minutes <laughs> drinking yeah. and then mooning people out of the limo. <laughs> what? And I'm like, where is this thing from? And I saw it was Australian. Oh, those wacky Aussies. But it's pretty cool crash test because they have some great cameras set up and like yeah. they don't put seatbelts on the, on the dummies. Uh huh. So, so they're just flying around? Yeah, it's pretty neat crash test. I do need to see that, because that's exactly what I was describing. And there's another crash test, too. It's way more boring. It's just basically a series of still photos, Ugh. which I guess you can make the case like that's what all videos are, but sure, this is like really slow still photos. <laughs> and hey, listen, I don't want to... We always say, do what you want to do. I'm not going to poo-poo if you want to go out and hire a limo and, with your friends and drive around and get drunk and go to a bunch of bars. It's fine. You know, mm-hmm. it's just not, don't expect me to get in the car. Although, I would say the wine country limo is not a bad idea. Get they have around. Those? Oh, sure, yeah. In fact, I think people in wine country aren't too happy about them, you know? Oh, because it's like a party bus kind of thing? Yeah, basically. Like well, hey, man, if you, like, have wine tastings every five feet. I know. What do you expect? Yeah. Everybody there seems very cool. Because you don't want to drink and drive. Oh, uh, we went when it was, it was the off season. So I'll bet everybody was a little like more mellow. Yeah, because there weren't a bunch of tourists around. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, but you're right. The people that live in uh, wine country, Northern California, they're a nice, laid back lot. <laughs> they are fairly <laughs> laid back. I think is a good way to put it. Because they have the best job in the world. Yeah. Um, we have the best job in the world. That's right. If we only made wine. Um, <laughs> gas- I've got some going <laughs> in the toilet. Some Pruno. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, gas mileage is a big consideration because you're not going to get good gas mileage at all. And you may, as a company or an individual, have to pay an extra gas guzzler tax on each vehicle in your fleet. 
on yeah. top of that. It's basically like, you know how you pay a lot of money for gas? Well, now you have to pay even more money <laughs> yeah. because your thing uses up so much gas. Yeah. Although Strickland mentions a um, 32-foot stretch Hummer limo that a guy named uh, Sean Murphy, he misspelled his own name, <laughs> uh, on the cool fuel road trip, he used a, he drove a Hummer limousine that ran on um, a bunch of different alternative fuels like oh, cool. biodiesel, methane, ethanol, vegetable oil, sugar. Wow. It could also use geothermal, solar, and wind energy. And he got the limo up to 75 miles an hour, which sounds illegal to me. Yeah. You should not be driving a 32-foot anything <laughs> 75 miles an hour. I agree. Uh, if you are interested in owning your own limousine uh, to be your own private little driver, it depends on what kind you get, of course. You may can get one like a Lincoln stretch for 30 to 40 grand. Sure. Or you may pay 300000 if you want that super stretched Hummer with the hot tub. I have the impression that that th- thirty grand Lincoln stretch, like the hubcaps come off when you take corners and stuff like that. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> and I also bet that the one of twenty Bentleys, yeah, go for way more than three hundred k each. Do you ever see someone driving around in an old limo? Uh-huh. It's clear it's just their car, right? <laughs> it's like a nineteen seventy two Caddy yeah. limo. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. It is sweet, but at the same time, it's like that's a really poor choice. Yeah. Especially if like you're. You're on a tight budget. Right. Like you live in a city with how tight much, streets. How and... much money do you spend on gas? Yeah. You know? That's true. Uh, That's you... what I shout to him out the window whenever <laughs> I pass someone like that. Should we talk about presidential limousines a little bit? Yeah. Because I think those are kind of interesting. Um, they call it the Secret Seven in this great, uh, was it Popular Mechanics article? Yeah. Um, in 1939, the Sunshine Special, and up until this point, I think, Standard automobiles had been used to uh, drive presidents around and shuttle them. But in 1939, this is, we need something for the Secret Service. Yeah. And we have a president uh, in a wheelchair that his name is Roosevelt, and it, he has certain considerations. Right. Plus, at least one attempt has been made on his life already. So we might want to think about adding a little more security to these cars. Yep. And that's exactly what they did. It was armored. Uh, the body was armored. It was built by uh, coach builders and Buffalo, New York, uh, had oversized hinge doors, I guess, to account for that enormous wheelchair that they had back then. And um, lots of armor plating and even bulletproof glass um, in 1939, which is kind of impressive. Yeah. It looks like Al Capone's car, if you ask me. It's pretty sweet. Uh, Then there's the 1950 Lincoln Cosmopolitan. Yeah. This was awesome. It was a Truman presidential um, limousine. Yeah. Um, and it was basically for every, with every new limousine that came along, um, there were new innovations. It became heavier and, sure. um, more armor plated and just safer. And this one came with a bubble top, um, because it was a convertible, but Truman realized that like if he had the top up yeah. when it was super safe, no one could see him. Right. So he had the bubble top installed, kind of like the Pope Mobile. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that what it's like? I think so. All right. Um, and that one um, was retired to the Henry Ford Museum, <clears throat> as was the Sunshine Special in Dearborn, Michigan. So if you've ever been there, you've probably seen a few of these yep. on display. Uh, Kennedy's famous car uh, that he was in in uh, November twenty second, 1963, when he was assassinated, was... A 1961 Lincoln Continental 
convertible, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still safe. Um, not with the top down, obviously, but they had certain safety fe- uh, features built in. Um, they had a rear seat that was, well, this wasn't a safety feature, but they had a rear seat that could be raised and lowered to give, uh, people a better view. They had a metal hoop behind the driver, uh, behind the driver's seat. So when the president's standing up, they can hold on to something. Yeah. Uh, but it was armored after his assassination with a permanent bulletproof hardtop and then left in the fleet, which really surprised me. <laughs> yeah. I would have thought they would have completely retired that car. Or just given it to a museum or yeah. destroyed it or something. But yeah, leaving it in the fleet, that's penny pinching. Yeah. <laughs> and that is in the Henry Ford Museum now as well. I'll bet. Uh, 1972, the Lincoln Continental, uh, that President Ford and Reagan, the same car that they were both shuttled into after assassination attempts, famously. Yeah. This, this, this is the limousine that reminds me of like old Times Square in New York. Yeah. Like where like basket case was set, you know? Like this is. <laughs> I never saw that. Th- it's worth seeing yeah. at least once just to say you saw a basket case. Right. Yeah. Old CD Times Square. Yeah. I got a, just a taste of that when I first started going to New York in the, uh, in the, uh, 90s. Uh-huh. Just, there were, there were still some peep shows and stuff around. And it was just starting to be like, uh, Disney-fied, as yeah. they said. I missed it entirely. Yeah, you didn't miss much. But man alive. <laughs> you can go to Red Lobster there now. I know. It's funny how people pine, like, remember when it was crappy and there was crime and drugs and Who prostitution everywhere? Who says that? Oh, dude, I mean, New I can Yorkers. understand being like, yes, this corporate stuff is sure. is just dumb or whatever, but... People are very nostalgic for, for old crappy Times Square. Huh. Yeah. Uh, the 1983 Cadillac Fleetwood was used in the early 1980s, and uh, that one, one of those, there was a pair of them, was used in the movie In the Line of Fire with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Pretty neat. Remember, he played the the guy who didn't get to Kennedy in time when he was assassinated. It haunted him. Oh, was that his backstory? Yeah, and John Malkovich was like a total weirdo. Sure, he was a, trying assassin, to kill the president, right? Who used a wooden gun? I, I don't remember, remember a lot about that movie yeah. for some reason. That's a lot of detail, Josh. Then there's the Bush era. Yeah, Cadillac DeVille, which is, I mean, I associate that with Bush. Now that I'm looking at it. Yeah, it was a GM. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was a Cadillac DeVille, of course, but it was built on the frame of a GM SUV, supposedly. Smart. Yeah. Um, Five-inch thick armored doors. Bulletproof glass so thick it blocks out parts of the light spectrum, apparently. <laughs> so everything looks blue. Yeah, maybe. From the inside. <laughs> and you go insane. Uh, and it was rumored to feature a what they called a self-contained passenger compartment with its own secure air supply. Cool. So I guess just like a, a chamber to hide someone in inside there. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And then lastly, check the most recent one um, came out in 2009, and it's a Cadillac too. Um, and it came out, I guess, just in time for Obama's inauguration. Yeah, and this one they started to be a lot more secretive about, um, like the how they're made. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Um, but they have pretty good speculation that. You know, it's armor plated underneath all around. Um, they think it's diesel powered, but they don't know for sure. And, uh, good luck. Like this thing is like a tank on wheels. Good luck penetrating that Cadillac. Yes. You know? So, uh, there's one other thing I want to point out. If you are into limos, especially extreme limos, 
There's another popular mechanics um, article called Stretch It Out, 10 Extreme Limos that you sent. Yeah, like Lamborghinis and stuff? Yeah, Lamborghinis, monster trucks. And I looked it up. Apparently, there's a lot of monster truck limos. Yeah. I also found online a DeLorean limo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. It's worth looking at. Um, there's a semi limo. Yeah, that one is basically like a, a large apartment on wheels. Yeah. Like you can have a party for 50 people. There's multiple bars. Did you see inside? Uh-uh. It looks like an Applebee's on wheels. Oh, is it a fern bar? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like um, polished brass railings and like oh, wow. the carpeting and the upholstery. It looks like an Applebee's. It's very strange. Well, you can't account for good taste. It looks pretty sweet though. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, anybody who there's th- like three three different lounges in there. Wow, three. That's and a lot then of uh, a Mexican company converted a I think a 747, no a 727, into um, a, a a limo. Yeah, they took the wings off. There are TV shows out there that you can view all these things, uh, extreme everything. You know? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's also TV shows about the people who repo them. Yeah. Too. <laughs> right. So if you want to know more about limos, you can start by typing that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this funny homeless story, if there is such a thing. Uh, this um, April has been working in New York City, but I gather that she is in Atlanta. And she's just there for work for a period of time. Dear Josh and Chuck, I miss the old Times Square. <laughs> she's, she did say that. No, I'm kidding. Um, she talks about how she listens to us on the train there in her commute in New York City, and uh, she feels really bad for homeless people, but especially when she sees a homeless person with a dog. Um, she says after passing uh, several homeless people in New York, uh, people dog combos this weekend. My grand plan is to stop at a pet store, get some dog food and treats, and have cash available for the next homeless pair so I could help out and hopefully have a conversation with them to make them feel human for a little bit. This is April. You're awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, I bought my supplies. In two blocks from the store, I see a homeless man with a husky, and I think, perfect. Uh, one of my dogs is a husky, so I'm partial to them. After having a five-minute conversation with Michael... Petting his dog, giving him dog food and some money for a nice meal. I get ready to leave, and as I'm about to walk away, he said, thanks for the dog food, but it's not my dog. I'm just watching it for someone in the building. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Uh, I ultimately asked if the dog had a home and food. He said yes. So I asked if I could take the dog food back so I could give it to a dog in need. Uh, He agreed, and hopefully he was able to get a nice meal himself and appreciated my conversation and didn't think I was too crazy. Uh, I then went on to walk 30 blocks to my hotel with a relatively heavy bag of dog food without seeing another homeless pet. Good thing, because I didn't have any more cash for the person, and it probably would have been weird to give a person dog food but nothing to help him or her. Uh, Me and my bag of food will be walking around various New York City neighborhoods this weekend, though, because now it is my mission to help someone out. It's been a good little reminder for me to be thankful for what I have, especially as we approach winter up here. Uh, and that is from April Cummings. That is very nice of you, April. Very cool. I hope you find a, a homeless dog in person that you can help out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to share a story about you, how you're making the world a better place, we want to hear about it. You can uh, tweet it to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 